In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. You may be seated. Welcome. It's a joy to be with you all on this fourth Sunday of Easter, also known as Good Shepherd Sunday. You probably, it's not subtle in the collect, in the readings, and uh, in the music. And Psalm 23, uh, David's uh, number one hit single for sure, uh, if he released a greatest hits album, it's going to be at the top, begins, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But I think we have to ask, especially because we're modern people. I mean, how many of us grew up herding sheep or around that or uh, ever even see an animal before it's shrink-wrapped and we're going to eat one in the grocery store? We're, we're removed, as it were, from agrarian life. So when we talk about Jesus being the good shepherd, uh, we're probably not, at least I don't think this is what Scripture is saying, that, that God is like an actual, like literal shepherd, and we're, we're learning something about, you know, a possible second career path. But it's, it's teaching us something, this metaphor about who God is and what he's done for us uh, and the relationship that we have to him. So, so what does it mean that the Lord is our shepherd? Well, shepherding uh, in the ancient world in the ancient Near East in particular, is this metaphor for kingship. And it's, it's a metaphor that's ubiquitous. It's, it's so often used, uh, not only in Scripture, uh, but across cultures uh, in this time period, that it, has be, it becomes almost what we call a dead metaphor. That when, when someone, and a dead metaphor is that when you hear a metaphor, you don't even think about the image of the metaphor. You just think about the thing which it denotes. And the metaphor of shepherding in the ancient world is a metaphor for kingship. When people in the ancient world heard shepherd, they thought of kings. So to say that the Lord is my shepherd is to say the Lord is my king. Uh, we can see this. We can see this connection in Psalm 23. Uh, psalm 23, of course, is a psalm of David, uh, who was both a literal shepherd uh, and the king of Israel. And most of Psalm 23, it's not a long song. It's six verses. If, if you listen to radio stations where the DJ talks, you know, if the DJ talks over the beginning of the song and the end, he would have pretty much talked over the whole song. But most of Psalm 23 makes use of this agrarian and, and pastoral imagery. That is, when I say pastoral, that, that is shepherding. I mean, the word pastor means shepherd. So if you go to a Mexican restaurant and you uh, order tacos al pastor, that doesn't mean I'm in the back making it. It means it's shepherd-style tacos. But I would try to do a good job were I back there. So it has this agrarian, this, this image of shepherding. Uh, but then notice verse 5 of Psalm 23. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Well, well what on earth does that have to do with actual shepherding? It may seem to the modern reader a, a sort of non sequitur, this abrupt shift 
uh, away from, again, agrarian and pastoral imagery to the regal, the festal, even the militaristic. But to the Israelite, or any ancient person for that matter, hearing this song, the Psalms are songs, the transition from one set of images to another would have been natural if not expected because in terms of the subject matter, there's no transition at all. They would have known from the very first line of the song, the Lord is my shepherd. They would have known that this song is all about kingship. Shepherding equals kingship. But you may ask, what does Psalm 23, 5 have to do with kingship? It doesn't mention explicitly uh, from our, pers- our prima facie on the surface, kings. Well, what would happen is that in the ancient world, uh, and p- perhaps you've uh, even seen this in shows that you watch, when, when they win a great battle, what do they do? They party. They, they throw a feast. And sometimes what they would do is that they would throw this feast And they would have their defeated foes present at the celebration. Thus, they would prepare a table in the presence of their enemies. The Lord is my shepherd, which means the Lord is my king. And the Lord is our victorious and conquering king. Jesus is the victorious shepherd king of which Psalm 23 speaks. And the victory which Jesus won, which we're celebrating during this Easter tide, secures for us the blessed life of which the psalmist sings. For without the victory of Jesus won by his life and death and resurrection, there there is no entering into his fold, entering into his kingdom. There are no green pastures Uh, for us to graze, pastures which represent the abundant life in Christ, pastures which ultimately represent uh, the age to come, that represent the beatific vision. St. Gregory the Great said that the pasture of the saints is to see God face to face. Without the victory of Christ, uh, we're not led to the still waters of baptism, wherein we drink the living water, wherein we are cleansed, and through which we go to the promised land. Without the victory of Christ, we couldn't say he restoreth my soul. It's through the death and resurrection of Jesus that we're saved, that we're rescued. We could not be led in paths of righteousness. That is, we could not be put on the narrow road which leads to life without the victory of Christ over death, which is what we're celebrating in the great 50 days. We could not walk with confidence in the valley of death's shadow. And without the feast of victory... We cannot share in the spoils of victory. You see, God has prepared for us a table in the presence of our enemies. That table is an altar. It's the altar of the cross. The Holy Eucharist is the feast of victory held in the presence of our enemies, sin, death, 
and the devil, which King Jesus has put underfoot. The fraction, I love the fraction anthem that we sing during Eastertide, that it's very triumphant. This is the feast of victory for our God. St. Gregory the Great, again, I have to send him some royalties for quoting him so much. But he said that he, speaking of Jesus, he says that he laid down his life for the sheep, that he might convert his body and blood in our sacrament and feed with his flesh the sheep he had redeemed. The Lord is my shepherd, which means the Lord is my king. And we find out that the Lord who is our shepherd king is a victorious king. And through the way that he became king and his action on behalf of the sheep, we find out as we read, we find out through his action what he says of himself explicitly in today's gospel, that he is indeed the good shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd king that laid down his life for the sheep, who in a manner of speaking, became a sheep to save the sheep. Jesus is then both the great shepherd of the sheep and the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. There is in Scripture, and especially in John 10, uh, this inextricable link between the regal, that is, the monarchy, the kingdom of God, and, and the sacrificial. For God became king on earth as in heaven through his sacrificial death on the cross. And again, we know that he is the good king, the loving king. We know what love is because Christ laid down his life for us, his subjects. And we are not only subjects of King Jesus, but he has made us Sons and daughters, he has anointed our heads with oil. That is, he's given us the gift of the Holy Spirit. He's filled our cup to overflowing. A cup filled with his very life, for life is in the blood. The good shepherd has redeemed us, and he has brought us into the sheep pen, into the kingdom of God, so that now we can say with the psalmist, that he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. So again, I'll ask, what does it mean that the Lord is our shepherd? Well, it means first and foremost that he is our king. Uh, As uh, Americans living in the 21st century, uh, it might, it's difficult for us, again, to connect with maybe uh, these uh, agrarian metaphors uh, but it might be also even it might even be more difficult for us to connect with this idea of monarchy that the kingdom of god is a monarchy and to also come to grips with uh, reality itself has a hierarchy and that ser- being in service to someone or or something else is a good thing, but whether or not you think it's good, it's, it's inevitable. As the great theologian Bob Dylan said, it may not be the devil, it may not be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. 
See, when we talk about being free, freedom is not the same thing as, or a good sort of freedom is not the same thing as what's known as libertinism, this, this radical freedom, just being able to do whatever you want to do. Because if we find out that if we only do what we want to do, sooner or later, that's all you'll be able to do. In, in other words, that sort of freedom actually becomes an enslavement to our own passions and sinful desires. Instead of in loving response, for example, to Almighty God, serving Him as an act of the will. And, and to serve God, we, we, we serve him because he's our king. There's realities we have to grapple with. He's, he's the creature. We're, we're the creator. I mean, I mean he, sorry, that's wrong. That's heresy. He is the creator, and we are his creatures. He's God, and we are not. He's our king, and we are his subjects, though we be sons and daughters. But, but as the prayer book says, the service of King Jesus is, quote, perfect freedom. Because in service to the good shepherd, your will is, is freed and you're able to pursue the good unencumbered by your fleshly desires. So though we don't necessarily, if we understand the sovereignty of God and the majesty of God and the holiness of God, we don't necessarily need any other reason to, to follow him than that. It's a matter of duty and obligation, but thanks be to God, we have infinite reasons to want to know and to love and to follow Jesus because he's, he's not simply our king. He's, he's the good king. He's the good shepherd king who conquered our enemies on our behalf. Who, who demonstrated and showed us what love is. Again, the Apostle John wrote, We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us. And moreover, following him and loving him and, and, and being in the service of the shepherd king who, think about the psalm, protects us. And also lovingly corrects us and brings us into a sort of blessed life that's the best thing for us. That is our, our highest good because we were made to, to see and to know and to be united with Almighty God. So, so let us, on this Good Shepherd Sunday, and end the sermon this way, by way of Psalm 23, reflect and meditate upon our good, loving and victorious king. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. 
and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever.